One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. If everything that you're doing, you're doing with your cars. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and execute the sandwich. Cool. It's just incredible. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation. Call 0818 And he was all excitement and all enthusiastic. And he told me about going to the States first and his life over there and and his excitement about being part of a show that he'd been watching since he was a kid. And I'm so thrilled for him this morning. I remember asking him at the time, was I allowed to ask him how he'd done? And he said something like, you can ask me, but I can't tell you. Let's listen back to a little... Well, Ryan O'Sullivan from Cork has won the latest season of Hell's Kitchen. It's just wonderful, wonderful news. Here he is chatting to me back in late September of 2023. So when did you start working with food? When did when did you decide that, that food was for you? Um, I actually didn't really have a choice because my dad's a chef. So from a very young age, uh, I was hanging around the kitchen, you know, working around with him. And, you know, he showed me the tricks of the trade and, you know, how to get on the tools and stuff. Um, and I kind of found my love for food through that. Um, and of course, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch cartoons because all I was on the telly was Gordon Ramsay growing up. I didn't have a choice. So it was just food, food, food. And um, I kind of, I took it upon myself to go get trained professionally. Um, obviously, my parents, my dad being a chef, um, and my mother was like, it's not going to be for you. You're too social. You love your, your social life. You're never going to get up in the morning. And my dad was like, don't do it, kid. It's not for you. So I said, you know what, no, lads, I'm going to go up there now and try and be the best I can. Um, seeing as nobody wants me to be a chef. When I went to CIT, did culinary studies for two years. Yeah. Um, and then I started working in the Maryborough Hotel with Jerry Allen and then Brendan Brosnan after that uh, for a good couple of years and ended up in the Riverlea with uh, Pauline which is still one of my very very good friends to this day Well it's a small world because you could well have served me my dinner because I only live up the road from the Maryborough Hotel I guarantee I did <laughs> So then you told me how America and was, was that literally just I'll give this a go and see what happens? 
It was, honest to God, it was like, you know what, it's a six, it was a, it was a three-year visa all in all. It's a seasonal visa. You have to move every six months. So I left in October and I said to me, mum, I said, mum, I'll be back in, I'll be back in May, uh, six months down the road. And look, you know, we go from there. And that was um, six years ago. Right. <laughs> I've been home twice, I think. Yeah, because you met someone, didn't you? I did. I went my my wife Jennifer after the first year out here. I met Jennifer in 2019, and she travelled across up up and down and across America with me. Um, was I while I while I was trying to you know um get my career going in the states, and uh, we ended up getting married. Lovely fella, lovely fella. That's our chat back in September 2023, or a bit of it with uh, Ryan O'Sullivan. We might just pull that up and repodcast the whole thing, um, and we will get him on the phone at some stage in the next few days. I promise you that. I'm so thrilled for him. Just uh, Maureen had this in in news. Just this is his reaction. All this was recorded yonks ago, so he's been trying to keep this a secret since forever. And even when he was talking to me back then in September, he knew he had won talk about keeping a secret for ages and ages you know what I was very very surprised that I won this season 100% um, it wasn't something that you know I thought I could do um, I believed in myself of course but you know until you're actually standing at the doors and you open it you never really believe it's coming true I mean it's been filmed two years ago and I still can't believe it so um, you know I, I didn't think I was going to win but again it's all about self-belief I believed in myself every single day you know I woke up looked in the mirror and told myself you can do this and you know for me that was the, the be all end all if I just kept believing in myself then good things would happen good things did happen we'll catch up with him live in the days to come that's, that's just wonderful wonderful news Ryan O'Sullivan has won Hell's Kitchen Ryan O'Sullivan from Cork has won Hell's Kitchen in the US. 0818969696. Lovely way to start a Friday. Now, yesterday I spoke with Mona down in Middleton and how they're still dealing with the aftermath of Storm Babbitt and how they have been told by the County Council that it could be 10 years before there's even a start made, before there's even a shovel swung on flood measures for Middleton. And as she's saying, it's not good enough. They first asked for flood measures as far back as 2010. And they've now been told in 2024 it could be another 10 years. And there's, as you can imagine, a lot of anger and upset down there. Cat, you're in Castle Martyr and you're still suffering the aftermath that's of right. that bit. Good yeah. morning. Good morning. Nice. Good morning to you. Yeah, that's right. Um... Thank you for calling me. Yeah, um, I suppose I contacted you in relation to home insurance. Yeah. Um, when I opened that email the day before yesterday, what a shock. It had doubled. Doubled? Now, yes. Yeah, doubled. Now, we are... And did you have a claim? Day. Did you make a claim after the flood, no? Well, we did. Yeah. yeah. But this isn't, I mean, this isn't our first one because we were flooded back in 2015. So I can understand where they're coming from, but I was not prepared for this. It had actually doubled. Now, I queried it with them immediately and was told, yeah, building costs, because of building costs and because of where you live. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, building costs. I thought, well, okay, looked at them. Could I revert back to the previous year? You know, I they would be adequate enough to cover us. We don't live in a castle, but our home is our castle. Yeah. And um, I was told, well, it won't shave much off it. It will shave 200. So that leads me to believe that 800 is because of where we live. How much much damage was done, Kat? Well, we're out of our house. um, Still? Second time. Yeah, still. Yeah, and we'll be for a while yet. Um, Waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, 
like what I say is that um, like the insurance company, I know where they're coming from. They have to cover their costs, but like we are caught in a corner. We have a claim pending, I know, and but still, I wasn't expecting it to happen now. I was thinking, oh, next year maybe, but they're getting right in there with their building costs and because of where we live. We live in the centre of Castle Martyr, love where we live. Mm-hmm. We, our 2015 episode, we did our mitigation works to our own property and thought, yeah, we're home and dry, but nah, nothing was going to stop it. And we're penalised because we happen to live in this little, little village where a river flows through it. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with us. That river has nothing to do with us, but it has caused us so much problems. Yeah. And like I, I can understand where building costs and everything are coming from, but I also hold authorities. They have us in another corner. In 2015, after our 2015 episode, there was an application made for minor works here in the village to the river. And between Cork County Council and OPW, it was deemed premature. premature. And here we are. Premature. Here we are in 2023. What was premature about that? So another application is now going in. Will the same thing happen? We're holding our breath. We're on tender hooks. Will the same thing happen? And yet we know that Padraig O'Donovan, he has very kindly said where works are identified and there is an easy solution and easily deliverable, then people cannot be expected to live in fear. And that is us. But yes, we see can seem to get it here in Castle Martyr. I can hear the upset in, I can hear the upset in your voice, Kat. Take me back we to to October and and describe what happened to your home. We are still in that day of the eighteenth of October, and we cannot get out. It's as simple as that. Yeah, we thought we were home and dry. I suppose we thought we had, you know, our mitigation works done and we had spent quite a bit of money on it, as did our neighbours, but nothing was going to stop this. Now, in hindsight, yes, of course, we were naive. We should have had preparations made and just um, lifted everything, etc. But we thought we were home and dry. And sure, as soon as it starts to come in, there is no stopping it. There's no stopping it. How how deep did it come in? It had 18 inches. Yeah. And um, our, we've 10, 10 houses in Castle Martyr, more than previous. 10 this time, what will it be the next time? And one business. We had a lovely business here in the village and we were trying to attract business and no, he's up and gone. He's just had enough. Mm. Now, 10 families, as I said, ranging and the ages from 2 to 87. My. And a lovely, lovely young family out of their home. They'll be out for the best part of a year because they had a lovely bungalow. And an 87-year-old was lying in his bed listening to his jazz and not not knowing um, that he was in danger. So, like, it has impacted so many lives here in the village. In actual fact, like, we do so much work here in the village. We have a lovely little community. We do so much work and we find it so hard to get anything. We're very active in community council and in tidy towns, but we have to strive for everything we get. Where are you living at the moment? We're renting. Yeah, we're renting nearby. I can actually see our house from where we're renting, which again is very hurtful. That's that's another bill to have to pay. Well, certainly, yeah. Now, of course, like it will be covered around under our insurance. But sure, look, we're going to pay for pay for that pleasure as well. You know, and I mean, we don't want to be. We want to be at home. I know your new quote. 2,000 
654. Exactly. Yeah. And, exactly la- and last double. year was what? 1350. 1350. Now, okay, we've had a claim, but we had just got back our no claims bonus. Imagine that. And here we go again. So we're at the mercy of who we're at the mercy of the authorities, OPW, would they do something for, give us our minor work scheme in advance? We're just in advance of the planned flood relief scheme. We know the minor works is not going to be 100%, but it will mitigate the factors. It will give Biden's time. It maybe will allow that it won't come into our homes. You know? Because even, so even if your home was perfect and ready to move back into tomorrow, you still will be fearful, won't you, that something else could happen, that it could all happen again. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a regular occurrence. We just live through it. It's a regular occurrence. You're watching the river. We know that river, but like the back of our hand. Like, we're constantly watching it and walking it and seeing if there's any debris in it. Alerting the authorities if there is, because oh, we daren't touch that river, which we don't. We alert the authorities every time there's something in it. And how close are you to it, Kat? House. Oh, look, it's across the road from us, um, Mogili Road. I don't know if you know Mogili Road. I do, Road's I do indeed. Right, yeah, I do. yeah, it's just right across the road from us. Um, like, there's nothing we can do about it. My husband has lived in that house all his life. Um, but, like, since 2009, 2015, 2023, that it has just taken on a whole new level. And, yes, I know there's climate change, but we're only talking about a one-kilometre stretch of river. Yeah. A one-kilometre that has impacted us like this, the village of Castlemanagher. And like the N25, as you know, was impassable that night. The mayhem it caused was yeah. unreal. Yeah. As, you still, said, uh, as Mona said yesterday, to, to this day, she still pinches herself because it's a miracle nobody died. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, like I said, um, who knows the next time what it will bring and how many of us will be affected. And that's the thing, isn't I, I, it, Kat? You're, you, you say almost with inevitability that there will be a next absolutely. time. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because that's just the way it is. And, like, unless we get this minor works done, it's going to be it's, yeah. it's just unthinkable. So, as I said, we're stuck in a time warp. We're stuck on the 18th of October and we can't get out. Like and I said, yeah, that I can't eat or sleep. Like my tummy is constantly like that between builder, um, insurance, um, dealing with authorities, trying to get answers from them, which is impossible, and okay, ringing PJ, which gives me a little bit of heebie-jeebies as well. But needs must. <laughs> well, I'm Here's glad. So- I'm glad that you did. My my thoughts are with you. I I don't know how you would live with that worry. Knowing that a little bit of work, a little bit of work might take that worry off your shoulders. That makes me very cross for you, Kat. I know. And like Minister O'Donnell has said it, where there is easy solutions and easy identified and can be easily delivered, then the funding is there. But I don't know why we can't get it in Castle Martin. By the way, did you get any help from the government for the house, for the repairs? No, in fairness. In fairness, there like there was humanitarian aid, but because we have insurance, we don't qualify for it. But our neighbour did get it. In fairness, he did and was very pleased. Right. Now, there are others that are still waiting, so I'm not sure what level of 
are probably different levels of it. But um, some are still waiting. They had to get second quotes and that, and they are still waiting for it. But in the meantime, they're trying to put their homes back together and keeping their receipts. And these short-term works that you've mentioned, I assume it's just mm-hmm. something as simple as barrieding or put some kind of a barrier up to keep the river out of the house. Keep keep the river in, keep the water in the river. You know, extending or increasing the level of a wall, uh, building a dam to stop or a bank to stop the river from flooding a lovely bungalow, trying to keep the river in a field so that it won't be escaping onto the road, keep it in the field so that it will get back, gently back into the river. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like rocket like science to me. I, I, I mentioned yesterday the, the neighbourhood, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember it even today. There was a neighbourhood in Ballinhasic of only eight or nine houses, and they were so sick big of big being big. flooded. They pulled yeah. their resources, and a local builder had it done in 10 days. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I just applauded them when I saw it. I just, it was unreal. But they, they shouldn't to have you. to do that. I know they shouldn't have to do it, yeah. But, like, that's the reality. Like, we have to fight for everything here in the village. We have a lovely little village, but we have to fight for everything. Notweed, we had an infestation of Notweed on the river. We had to go to Airgrid for funding. And in fairness, they gave us the funding. Now we're just waiting for the season so that we can treat it. But we will have to manage that, manage the, manage the treatment of it, and report back to Airgrid. Like, that's not my job. Yeah. But I do it because, for the village because I love the village. I know, I know. And a great, a great little village it is. I know it well. I know it Absolutely. well. Absolutely, we have a great community here. Yeah. But we find it very difficult to get anything. We're looking for a footpath, to get a footpath from the bridge down to the resort. We've been looking for that for years so that residents of the hotel and locals don't have to walk on a muddy path. Can't get it. And you know, can't We've had this week, we had Jocelyn, and last weekend we had Isha, mm-hmm. and the next one, if and when it arrives, will be Kathleen. I suppose That's the right. slightest hint of a storm warning now. Oh, you're, God, li- yeah. you're lying awake. Yeah, yeah, we do, unfortunately, and that's why I'm telling you my tummy is constantly like it is. You know, some minister, I can't think what his name was, that said we just have to move to higher ground. So 10 houses in the village move to higher ground, decimates the village. Like, we can't. No, you shouldn't have to. Well, with the best will in the world, you shouldn't have to. If it proves impossible, fair enough. But it's not impossible. Just block off that Shagan River and direct it into a a field when it's overrun. Not into your house. it seems to be besting them. I don't know, one kilometre stretch. And we can't seem to get minor works on it. So, yeah, so I'm really, really thankful to you, PJ, for highlighting it, but that's the reality. No, I, I cannot. It's it's the one thing. I I live on a hill, uh, up at the top of a hill, and but I thank my lucky stars when it starts to rain because I never had, the one thing are, I never have to worry about is the yeah. flood. I don't know. And no, I've talked to so many people. I went down to Copper Valley View after the floods, to meet them down there. Do you know? Yeah. It's just awful so what people what are going home, through. Yeah, this is what homeowners are facing. If they didn't face it this time, they're going to have it in their next renewal. Yeah. I just didn't expect it to this renewal, to be honest, but, yeah, it's coming down the line. Yeah. And it's like, I rang around yesterday, and no, that stay where you are. Stay with the insurance company you're with. 
Well, you no one will take. They're processing your yeah. claim, and in fairness, if they pay, if they pay up for everything that has to be done, it'll be a positive. But how long more it is will, it likely to take before your house will be livable? Just on that point, they won't take long getting it back if my insurance is going to like that. Actually, includes PJ forty percent no claims bonus. So can you imagine what mine is going to be like next year? God, you'll be over three grand. So they're not going to be long getting back their money from from you know from yeah. our insurance from our insurance. How how long will it is it before you can move back in? Do you know? We have a great builder, but he's just so busy, yeah. and unfortunately, you're never flooded alone. There's always yeah. and Middleton being hugely affected, and he's Middleton based. The man is run off his feet. So I'm biding my time. I have patience for him because he's a great builder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mick Daly. He's absolutely brilliant. So I'm just biding my time waiting for him. All right. And I will accept. I know he's very busy and I know when he'll come, he will come and he'll stay until it's done. So hence, you know, cheers to him. But in the meantime, we wait. Okay. Cat. And I know there are worse off people. I know there are people with small kids, elderly people. So, look, I have to be thankful. This is your home. That, that don't, don't mind anybody else. This, this is your home. You're not eating. You're not sleeping. You're, 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 you're bursting from stress. Don't worry about anybody else. Worry yeah. about yourself. You're entitled to do it. You're entitled to worry yeah, about yourself, Kat. You know, you are. Like. We think about one another. Do you know, <sighs> they're a great neighbourhood. Yeah. I don't so know what to say to you. Not, not at all. My pleasure. I, My pleasure. And you know what? Yeah. This is go, This is an election year. You don't need me to tell you. This is an election year. And as I said to Mona yesterday, this is going to be a huge yeah. issue. Yeah, absolutely. It is. But then it's going to be very hard to get them to call to our doors. You know? Yeah. They might put a little leaf in the letterbox, but, you know. Yeah. But we'll find them. <laughs> I don't doubt you will. Kat, I wish you well. That's all I can do, is, is, is wish you well. And hopefully the weather will improve and you'll have a few months respite before the worry starts again heading into to next autumn and next winter. One would hope anyway. Kat, thank you. And the good people of Castle Martyr, um, out of their homes since last October. <sighs> I thank my lucky stars I don't live anywhere near a, a risk of flood. I really do. 0818 96 96 96. We'll stay with flooding next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM. A lot of people have suggested over the years that what would be very helpful for us in Cork would be a flood barrier down around Roaches Point or maybe across the mouth of the harbour there. A bit like they do, they have this massive one in London, the Thames Barrier. No one seems interested in taking the idea up or you keep getting told why you couldn't do it rather than, well, maybe we could. Paul, you believe it's something that would solve a lot of problems for us. Good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, look, I think, I mean, it's technology has been around a long time. And um, if you only look at, at, at Rotterdam or, or the Thames uh, or lots and lots of places around the world, uh, the Eider the Barrier over in Germany as well, St. Petersburg, New Orleans have a big, a big project going on at the moment as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and as I say, it's, it's in terms of, of Cork Harbour, I think we're, we're kind of ideally set up for it because of the, the fact that the mouth is, is a small-ish area. 
yeah. and it would it would it would involve covering you know the likes of Middleton, Glanmire. You know we've we've friends up there who've been flooded over the last number of years in Middleton as well, and you know it's 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 very hard for them. And I just think if if you if you wanted to kind of future proof the harbour, and and that would include you know Ahada and and um, you know Monkstown floods fairly regularly as well. I mean the, the idea. You know, say Cork City was was putting one down by Little Island there, but I think you know if you go further down the harbour there and, and you look at Roach's Point, that seems to be the the long term solution for, from you know for, to me anyway. By the way, I should have mentioned before I brought you on, uh, you are a marine engineer, so you do know what you're talking about. Yes, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm involved in, in marine engineering for, for the past uh, 30 plus years, you know, um, I would have been at sea myself and, and um, obviously travelled and visited lots of ports around, around the world. So, yeah, I'd have, I'd have some expertise. My own, uh, my own doctorate would be, my own doctorate would be in, in, in kind of underwater stream energy as well. So I'd have a little bit on renewable energies. So my idea would be that, you know, in addition to maybe building some kind of a Thames barrier type of issue, you'd have... Um, you know, you'd have maybe some renewable element to it as well, you know, and that's, that seems to be something that, that would maybe, you know, help with yeah. investment from the European Union and so on. Yeah, is, is there a way that these things can be designed, and forgive me, I'm, I'm a layman, I did physics, but it's a long time ago. Um, is there a way that these things can be designed that they actually have turbines in them that use the power of the sea to generate energy yes, at yeah, the same yeah. time? Yeah, so you, you'd have tidal, tidal energy, so obviously... You know the the the, the uh, tide would be in and out, you know, twice a day, and and uh, so you you try and recoup some of that energy. Uh, it's done up and up and up in the north Northern Ireland actually as well. They've got one, but yeah, look, that's that's something that could be added to it. I I don't think, you know, that's something that at this stage that that um you know I I would suggest you know that that's that it's built based on renewable energies. Yeah, I know you can recover some energy, but I don't think it's something that that uh, I mean this is more about preventing flooding. I think initially, but yes, they can be built into the design of the, of the um, you know, from an engineering point of view, it's, it's not uncommon. And ever since the idea was first suggested uh, here in Cork years and years ago, all I've ever heard is a hundred reasons why it couldn't be done. You don't see those reasons. No, I mean, if you, if you look at London as, as an example, I mean, the, you know, shipping is, is minimal, you know, it's, just, it's not affected. Um, you know, what you, what you do is this thing is enclosed all the time. I mean, they close it maybe two hours before an expected spring tide. Yes. Uh, it's opened again two hours afterwards. So you're really only affecting some form of shipping for approximately four hours. But I mean, ships around the world are always affected by tides anyway. And, and um, I don't think that, you know, four hours of a ship not being able to get into yeah, Cork yeah. Harbour is drastically going to, to have a negative impact on the port. Now, look, as I say, that's that's a conversation we'd have to have with Port of Cork. Of course, of course. Forgive me for... Large, sorry, sorry, PJ. Large, large ships can get into these things. It's not as if, you know, the, the large ship in the world at the moment is 65 metre width. Um, and, and, you know, the Thames is 60 metres. So, uh, you know, it isn't something that, that's, that's above and beyond the engineering that's already around, you know. And, and forgive me, again, th- these are purely uh, layman's questions. Like, would this be like a big moving wall or what would it be? Uh, yeah, so it's like, it's like a hydraulic um, doors, basically, that slide along. Now, there's different designs. There's ones that, that you know, swing out a kind of a, a pivot arm that actually, you know, you'd have one on either, either side there of the entrance by Roach's Point and, and it would swing and close um, but but the, the Thames one is kind of a you know a permanent every sixty sixty five meters there is a kind of a 
uh, a hydraulic um, power unit that, that just closes across the door. And each, each of those doors take 10 minutes to close. Um, the, the total operation in London, which is a much busier port than Cork, takes approximately an hour and a half to do. So, you know, again, the one in, in the Thames spans a larger area. Our, ours is, 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 is smaller than that. In terms of the port itself... Um, you know, London has 100 pilots, we have 12 pilots. So you can tell that, you know, that, that would tell you the difference in, in, in mm. the, the shipping, how busy a port, a busier a port it is. And they don't seem to have a major problem with, with, that, with that barrier um, being, you know, being, um, you know, used, using that for, for shipping on a regular basis, you know. Well, well, it does sound like a no-brainer and it does sound we need to, like we need to push our leaders a little more for answers as to why they keep telling us it can't be done. Paul, thank you very much. Paul is a marine engineer, lectures in marine engineering at NMCI thank you Paul for your expertise and for explaining it as well as you have done. Kate is wondering could we create flood barriers further up? I'll get to those, I'll get to those oh yeah, back to cashlessness we had a conversation the other morning with Michael Healy Ray uh, in the wake of the government announcing that they're going to protect cash by making sure that certain outlets will have to accept cash and they're also doing something about ATMs to make sure that there will be more ATMs out there because Michael McGrath says that he does want to keep cash in circulation. Michael Healy Ray was on with me about, yeah, fine, that's grand, but A, it was our idea, and B, it doesn't go far enough. Eilish, good morning. On cashlessness, Eileen, what did you want to say? Hi, PJ. Yeah, I was just uh, want to say that... Um for a business person, um, if you're lodging cash, you are charged for the notes also that you are lodging. Um, so you're paying uh, your cashier. If you go to the cashier, you're paying a charge. You're paid per 100 euros. You are paying an extra charge per 100 euros. Um, so it, it, that all adds up. Um, it, it's not just that you don't get charged for lodging your cash, mm. you know, so it, it it ends up being the same for me, uh, whether I'm paid by card or by cash. But if I'm being paid by card, it means my money is going straight into the bank. I don't have to take time out of my working day to drive 20 minutes into a bank and drive another 20 minutes home, uh, taking up an hour of my working time when I could be, yeah. you know, you, you run a business, I take it. Yeah, I have a dog grooming business. Dog grooming. And do you accept yeah. both cash and card? I do accept both cash and card. When I opened up, it was just after the um, the initial lockdown. So, obviously, we had, at that time, to take card. You know, it, it, it was just something you had to do yeah. um, in order to, to, to open up. So, um, yeah. I accept both. But it is easier for me, in one respect, to take card because I operate from home. Yeah. Um, I don't want to have large amounts of money hanging around the house for long enough. periods of time. So I have to either go to the post office or go to the bank. But either way, if I go to a cashier, I'm paying 39 cents uh, to go to a cashier for her to count the money and so on. If I go to the machine, I'm paying 35 cents and then I'm paying 45 cents per 100 euros that I lodge. Yeah. And I'm losing an hour out of my working day to actually go in and lodge the money. 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, is this a recent thing that it's costing so much to to do cash in the bank? Well, you see, I I I only opened up myself, like I said, okay. in twenty twenty. relatively new business, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it, I only know what is happening now. Um, you know, I mean, the, the charges for uh, that you pay using the card have gone down. Yeah. Where and roughly, what percentage of your business, Eilish, would be card, and what percentage would be cash? How many people? And would it be? Would it usually be older people that want their, to deal in cash, or what's the story? Well, I, I think a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people seem to think because I'm working from home and it's a service industry, they feel that they want to pay me in cash. Mm. You know, um, but I am a, a limited company. I like, so everything that I take in has to go through the books. Yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not a fly by night kind of, you know, putting it in my back pocket. Um, everything that I take in has to be lodged. Of course it does. So um, it doesn't matter to me which way I get it. But for my safety, it is better for me to take in, to use card. Because yes. I'm not I'm not uh, driving in the road with a thousand euros in my pocket. Understood. Into a bank, walking down the road to lodge my money. Understood. You know? Understood. Eilish, thank you. That's a good insight into uh, the owner of a small business. Um, who does take both cash and card, but is explaining that it's a bit more hassle to take cash. We appreciate that. And it, now I didn't know it costs so much to go to the bank and, and lodge cash. That's a bit Irish, to say the very, very least. Thank you. Thank you, Eilish. 0818969696. Back to flooding. Kevin is in. Oh, Whitegate got an awful doing last autumn, last October. Your thoughts, Kevin? Morning. Morning, how are you? Good. You live in, on top of a hill in Whitegate? I, I live on top of a hill in Whitegate, yeah. And um, there's a kind of a dip outside my house. And they built houses across the road from me. There are about 20 houses. And um, whenever it rains, the water lodges outside my house. Yeah. And it comes pouring across the road and into my house. So um, we got onto the council. There's four drains outside my house, and there's just they're just holes in the ground. They're not connected to any storm drain or anything. Right. And we've been onto the council numerous times, and we got onto an engineer at one stage, and he said, "Oh, it's your own fault. I'm looking at here on Google Maps, and your house is below the level of the road. Fix it yourself." Right. Now we can't fix it. We can't fix it because we can't take up a main road. No. How often are you flooded, Kevin? Um, Any time there's a storm. When was the last time? Uh, since Stephen's night and last weekend. Last weekend? Yeah. Was it bad? Last, sat- last Saturday. It wasn't too bad last Saturday night. Just came in the front door, small bit, and we've all the bottom of our downstairs, we've all kind of tiled, so. And we, we have a routine, you know, we kind of tear into it straight away. We bought a, a pump, we spent a thousand euros on a water pump. Yeah. So we kind of keeps it at bay as such, but if it gets too bad, it just comes and, tearing and across the road. You often see them on the door of a shop. Have, have you these barriers that go across yeah, the front? Yeah, and, and sandbags and everything. And yeah, it, it slows it, it slows it down, but it won't stop us. Yeah, we and we, then, we, bad, we bad in a bit. Oh, desperate, yeah, destroyed. And my mother was with me, my, and she's elderly, and she was up, and she was trying to help clean, and I was afraid she'd fall. And, and the simple thing is, 100 yards from our house, there's a storm drain, 
and if that's lifted, it takes it takes the water, and we've no we've no issues. And I'm trying to explain this to the council, and they just won't listen to me because we ring the council every time they come out, they lift up the drain, and as soon as the storm stops, they close the drain again. And you say the drains outside that they just fill up and the water goes nowhere. Where does it drain nowhere. away to, though? Where does it drain away it, to? It, it takes maybe a day or two for it to, drain, to go away, the water. Right. It's going somewhere, obviously. It's obviously, yeah, maybe some, somewhere, but the drains are connected to nothing. They're not connected to the storm drains. I see. I see. Even the lads that come out and from the council, they're lovely men now. They do the best for us, like us. They said, look, those drains are a waste of time. They're only holes in the ground. The monster drain were out there. They said, oh, they're not connected to nothing. There's no point us being here. Yeah. There's nowhere to and push the water. Yeah. Lower. There's just, all it is is dig up the, the road, connect the two pipes to a storm drain, and we have no more issues anymore. And yet the council won't listen to us because we're a house on our own. Oh, Kevin, thank you for the call. Thank you, sir. 0818969696. There's so many stories of people struggling uh, with all these storms and water and weather. And we have this report on the front of the examiner this morning. Uh, the climate scientists telling us that it's only going to get worse, that our summers are going to get hotter and our winters are going to get wetter. And we're going to have more floods and more storms and more and more and more and more rain. Blasted. So people like Kat and people like Kevin and people like Mona and others will be living in fear, seems to me, for many years to come. 0818 96 96 96. Anne was on again about Whitegate. Has anyone noticed a bad taste and a bad smell sometimes in the water around Whitegate? Even when you boil it, can't make tea with it. It looks fine, but tastes of all kinds of chemicals. That's for man. Actually, speaking of chemicals, there's a story. I meant to grab it for you. It was in the paper. It made the news yesterday, I know, but it's in the paper. And on top of all this Irish water crack, that meeting organised last night in Cork by McBarry and Irish Water, we had the statement from yesterday refusing to go to that meeting, and now there's going to be a, a protest with chemicals in the water now. Uh, they're they're normally occurring in water, but they're supposed to be kept at particular levels. They're called trihalomethanes. They cause cancer at high levels. And we're in trouble now with Europe because the levels in our drinking water are way too high. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM Feels so good. Gary O'Callaghan brings you the best music mix on Oldies and Irish. Every Sunday from midday on Corks 96 FM. Welcome along to the programme. Great to have your company on a Sunday. As I say, it's a privilege. Hopefully you can join me. Turn it up and take it easy with a big show on your radio. It's the perfect Sunday soundtrack. In Irish with Dario Callahan. Every Sunday from midday to 2 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. Did you ever see the weather at Roaches Point when things are bad? It's really hard to believe a barrier will hold that back, says John. But Paul's a marine engineer, John, and he reckons it could be done. 0818 96 96 96. There's a remarkable man by the name of Richard Morgan. He is a champion 
in the sport of indoor rowing. Yes, there is such a thing. Indoor rowing on a machine competitively. And that's not unusual. I'm sure there are many hundreds and thousands of people who do it all over the world. But Richard Morgan is 93. <laughs> and has shown remarkable strength and prowess. As a result of which, his entire body physiology and chemistry is baffling scientists. Uh, Larkin Daly is his grandson. Larkin, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good. Your granddad took up indoor rowing in his, what, early 70s? Yeah, he was 73. He started basically my first cousin, so his grandson used to be a high-level rower. He got a scholarship to Harvard with it, and he used to drop him to training. Basically, while he was out rowing, he sat on one of the machines and, and kind of gave it a go. One of the coaches walked by and said he had a very good technique. Um, and then that was it, really. He started to get really into it then and yeah. didn't really look back then. And he's a champion. Now, I didn't realise it was competitive, but it is. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, he, he he's probably been to 10 world championships at this stage. Um, so it's master categories. So it's everything up from, we say, 40 to 45, all the way up to 90, 95, 100, 100 plus. Um, so there'll be a few guys in each of them, obviously less and less the further up the chain you go. But I went to two world championships with him over in Boston and Washington. Um, so it's pretty cool to see. It's basically a massive hall filled with rowing machines and they've all the times up. Um, so it's certainly a competitive sport, but very safe and obviously very good for your health and well-being. So it's a perfect thing to be at, I'd say. Now, such has has been his progress that he is written up in one of the top journals of physiology in America. He's become something of a a lab rat if it were for, for the scientists. Why? Is it because he's so fit at ninety three? Yeah, so um my own career path, I'm I'm a sports scientist myself, working as a lecturer here in Technological University of Shannon at Lone. So I have always been had a personal interest in him, but obviously being his grandson but well, in addition to that, my own career path, I said, look, I, I better have a look at this guy's physiology. It's such a unique kind of thing. Um, so some of the fitness metrics we looked at, basically his ability to take in oxygen and use it, it's a good indicator of your aerobic capacity. Yeah. He had very, very good levels of that. Even some kind of tests we did would be similar to what you see for you know a 30 to 40-year-old, similar value. So that tells us okay, he started all this training very late in life definitely he's achieved a high level that tells us you can certainly get fit at any age if you just do the training well that seems to be what it does prove doesn't it because because you'd have thought like was he always fit absolutely not i'd say to be honest he never did any sport just some little bit of hurling when he was in school but then you know that's 50 years there or 50 years plus he was doing nothing really beyond that he used to even smoke in his 40s smoke a lot and then he, he stopped then since um, so definitely he's, he's turned back the tide I'd say and, and improved his own physical capacity which is brilliant and he's seen many different benefits I'd say he's a huge amount of energy very you know a lively kind of character very active Yeah, he looks old but his movements aren't old he's quick off his seat he's you know it's, it's cool to see that sharp sharp as attack and he does prove what they've been telling us for years that it's never too late to be fair um, is, 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 he, is he taken aback by how famous he's become 
Um, I, I think that there was a few bits and pieces with a number of years ago. I think even in the examiner or different things, just because what well, that was when he was in his eighties. But now, obviously, it's it's a, a bigger thing. Um, the fact that we wrote this study about him has just given it a, a global interest. It started probably with the Washington Post took up the story, but we've even had a look at all around newspapers around the world, Ukraine, uh, France, Colombia, Brazilian TV have asked me to come on and speak about it. So it's absolutely phenomenal, really. Isn't it incredible? It's absolutely amazing that you start something just out of curiosity. Like he literally just gave it a go in his 70s and now... Now he's being studied by scientists as to how fit you can be at 93. Absolutely. You're very inspirational. Even me just watching him, I think it's something I'd love to do in my own retirement. I mean, you've all the time all the time to focus on it. He could be training. At his peak, he'd be doing two sessions a day. He'd do a longer session in the morning, another one in the evening. He'd be doing weight training as well. Um, and his, you know, his health has massively, I'd say, improved because of all that. Right, right. And how long would he spend on the machine in in those sessions? Like, when he'd be doing a large amount of volume, he could probably do two one-hour sessions. He'd be doing a good amount. He'd have set distances. He might want to cover ten, fifteen kilometers in the day, and he might split that up into two sessions. Or, he, to be honest, he'd vary it a lot. He could even just do more higher intensity training as well. But probably the big thing was that he'd just do lots of consistent volume day in, day out. He might take a Sunday off, but he'd be, you know, covering the week's huge amount of, of mileage, really. Crazy. And and does he does he do other ordinary things? Does he take a pint? Does he does he eat a bit of grub? <laughs> what does he do? Um, I think he certainly liked the fact, because of all the training, he could afford to eat a lot more. I think he enjoyed that. So he, he probably upped the calories as he'd have to do when you're doing such an amount of training. Yeah. Um, in terms of alcohol, really, not very much. He might have a glass of wine or two if a friend was over, but you know, that could be every month or two, really. So he, he wouldn't be going to town on it by any means. That's a marvellous story. It's a marvellous story. And give him our, our regards, our best regards. Thank you very much. Larkin Daly, grandson of Richard Morgan. Uh, a global sensation, a champion indoor roar at the age of 93. There's there's no barrier to when you start. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie FM. I heard that story in the bulletin, the R&H Hall building will be gone within months. And I'm just looking at a photograph of it here uh, on Cork Bio. It's been there since it's been there since the the end of the Second World War and it is soon to be no more. And work is starting this weekend, I think. Joe O'Shea is editor of Cork Bio and is following it. Joe, it's starting in this next couple of days. Good morning. Yeah, well... Yeah, good morning to you. Actually, they have been cruising there for a couple of days doing kind of initial kind of site works. Uh, part of what they're doing is there's, they're identifying kind of um, significant uh, machinery and kind of elements of the building that will actually be preserved right. uh, and, you know, uh, salvaged, so to speak. So there's also been kind of architectural specialists in there kind of advising on, you know, the history and significance and heritage of the site. Because like you just said there, that's a very significant building for Cork. 
It's been, you know, it's been in all of our lives and kind of looming on the Cork skyline for for eight for more than eighty years. You know, mm. uh, so it's 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 a huge it's a huge thing when you think about it. I mean, it'll go, but what's replacing it then is going to be is going to be massive altogether. What is replacing it, Joe? Well, the biggest building project basically since. Queen Victoria was on the throne. It was the biggest building project in Cork. It's it's going to be massive, and, and I think sometimes people don't kind of get the scale of it. But O'Callaghan Properties are involved. You're a Cork company, and it's a three hundred initially three hundred and fifty million. Uh, it's being spent on the Goulding site, where there's going to be uh, one thousand three hundred new housing units. You know, thirteen hundred new apartments right, you know, on the docks in the city centre, uh, and beyond that, there's scale for four thousand, over four thousand housing units, the whole way, basically the whole way down from Kennedy Key down to the marina on various bits of brownfield sites. What were fertiliser factories? You know, the Ford site, all that kind of stuff. So it's. It, this is the start. This is the, the the starting gun now on the biggest transformational project seen in Cork that, you know, it, since the days of the Merchant Princes, you know? And, and so, the, the way, the way you, you put it, it is remarkable. We, we'll be, it's sad yeah. to see this old building go because it was, like, being Cork people, it's, like you said, it's yeah. part of our landscape, but it's being replaced yeah. by something great. Now, you can't blow it up given where it is. No. So, so this YouTube video of just a bang and a cloud of dust. That isn't yeah. going to happen. Have you any idea? It's the, the, it's the O'Kelly brothers are doing it. Yeah. How are they going to bring it down, Joe? Well, the, if you remember the tax office, which I am actually looking out my window at right now, the site, the empty site on Sullivan's Key. Yeah. O'Kelly o- o- brothers, they took that that down as well in the summer of 2019 and they did it really well uh, because what they do is they come in and they nibble at the corners of the buildings they literally nibble, they have these huge uh, cra- uh, basically like giant hydraulic scissors on cranes uh, or on a kind of extendable arm and they go in and they kind of they cut away at the at the at the basically the corners of the buildings and they bring it down in a very controlled way you're right i mean they couldn't do an explosion down there you have a terrace of houses along the road there on one side of it you know uh, the, the dust alone would kind of like would bury those houses in dust so unfortunately we're not going to guess that kind of dramatic moment where we can all go down and watch a big bang and watch yeah. the silos come down it'll take it's it's a huge project. It's big, and they'll have to take the um, you know the rubble away. For instance, they might be able to do that by boat or by barge, seeing as the the position they're in there. It's perfect idea. Too. Yeah, I remember the tax office being demolished. I remember sitting there for hours watching yeah. them from across the river. I did the same thing. I sat down outside Electric uh, actually one day with a nice cold beer yeah. on a summer's day, and I watched them take it down. And it's it's fascinating actually how it's done these days, you know. Um, and it, like it will be, and it's interesting to me down there as well because I was down there recently in the area and the, the old port bar. Um, that closed down about a decade ago, next to the famous Idle Hour, brilliant yeah. little yeah. bar down there. That's being renovated at the moment, and I'm hope I'm trying to find out. And if anybody knows, they can let me know in Cork Bio. But I, it's being renovated and it's being cleared out on the inside and painted. And I think that bar is going to be reopening. And I think that that part of Cork City, which for far too long has been a kind of a dead zone, you know, yeah. uh, down all the docks there. We're going to get a new town there. It's a whole new town they're building down there. There's retail, shop, you know, they'll have shopping, they'll have restaurants, they'll have literally thousands of apartments. 
It's massive and, and it's great to see. Yeah, and it's been talked about for many a long day and like you said, yeah. at long last, work is, is, is beginning. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, fantastic, absolutely. When do they, oh, they're telling people that they're leafleting this weekend. When do they yeah. expect to finish, do you know, Joe? Well, I think you know, the initial demolition works will probably go on for months, but I'd say now uh, by the time we get to around April or May, does that building is not going to be there anymore or significantly gone or reduced to a big pile of rubble. So it's it's all it's 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 all happening. It's you know it's often the way in Cork. <laughs> Nothing happens for years and years and years, then all of a sudden, bang, everything changes. You know, there's, there's a big change. So, and listen, I, I know as well that next week, uh, Cork City Council are going to be making some major announcements about big projects coming this year. I mean, remember we got the uh, the old Roaches Stores building is coming back, and now by the summer. They'll have retail in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot happening, and in, in fairness, it's it's good to focus on the positivity now and again because yeah, th- th- there's a lot going on that you'd say could be done better. But when we do something right, we do it yeah better than anybody. To be fair, but look, listen, listen, look at the look at the city today, right? A bright sky, beautiful day, and this is this is a, I t- I think I'm like sometimes I feel like I'm too positive about this sort of stuff. But we live in a magnificent city with huge potential. And projects like this can push us all in the right direction. We do hear a lot of doom and gloom about, oh, you know, town's dead and all shops are closed and stuff like that. But if you look, if you look at it rationally and carefully, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of positivity going on. So I think in Corpio, we always try to celebrate the positivity. You know, we try, we try to be realistic about it. But I think people in Cork and the city should realize that I think this city now, 2024 is going to be a big year for Cork City. It's great to see. We'll talk many times throughout that year. Joe O'Shea, the editor of Corkpio, the RH Hall building will be gone within months. And they do, in the article on Bio, they they tell us what's coming. Uh, And it's remarkable. Nearly 4,000 new apartments, or at least the potential for them, uh, 1,300 new apartments in the Goulding site alone. Wow. Uh, the old Odlums building on Kennedy Quay will be part of the 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 R&H Hall will be replaced with apartments. So, you know, when you think about it too, walking back from a match at Parky Quive or walking back from a concert at the Marquee in the summertime, you come in along the docks, and you've often wondered. I know you have because I have. You've often wondered, could we ever do something with this part of town? And they're about to. Uh, I imagine there'll be a massive difference down there in the next four or five years. 0818 96 96 96 on cash uh, and card and talking to Eilish before 10 about her. She has a business, small business. She takes cash and card, but she was just outlining. She wasn't saying, I don't want to take cash, but she was saying, taking cash in 2024, there's an awful lot more work involved and it's expense involved for her to take cash. In, in 2024, but she she's going to continue to do it, and fair play to her. John then says you can't buy a phone for cash, you can't use cash on the train, and you can't use cash on a plane. Well, I know you can't use cash on a train or a plane, John. I'm sure there must be. If there's anybody in town would sell you a phone, a mobile phone, for cash, any anywhere, anywhere? I, I find it hard to believe you can't walk into some shop in Cork and buy a mobile phone for cash. It's got to be somewhere. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 FM. 
Listen to Cork's 96FM on your smart speaker. Play. Press play and step to the beat. Simply say, play Cork's 96FM. There's some sounds being reported around town at night. I haven't personally heard them, but the Cork safety alerts put up last night that they were hearing a loud screeching noise around the city centre over the last night or two. Anybody hear that? And then uh, Reddit had a thread as well. Anyone hear the sirens in town over the last couple of nights? Now, someone was putting it down on that Reddit thread to Irish Water drilling somewhere down there by the by the south channel of the river. But that's not been confirmed. Um, the noises in the city. Anyone hear them screeching or drilling or can anyone shed any light on it? Because there's a lot of confusion on on social media about it. This is a story. I, I said I'd give you this one before we move on because I... This is the weirdest story I've read this week. A nine-year-old boy in France. His mother has been jailed now for six months. She moved out of the flat where they lived to be with her new boyfriend and left him there in a council flat in a place called Nerzac. No, I don't know where it is either, but it's in France anyway. She moved in with her new partner three miles away and she now has been jailed for six months for abandoning and endangering a minor. It's in all the papers, but you know, someone must have been looking after him because he kept going to school he was always clean. His schoolwork was up to date. He clearly was eating something. So who was looking after him? It sounds as if the locals were looking after him, but didn't tell anybody what was going on. Strange story. He used to steal tomatoes from someone's balcony garden near him, and he used to scavenge food from the neighbours. But eventually, they went to the cops because he got taken into care. Weird story. Two years he was offending for himself after his his mother, if that's the term you'd apply to someone who'd do that to a child. And I'm sorry, anyone who'd do that to a child doesn't deserve to be called a mother. Um, she moved out to live with her, boy, with her new boyfriend. Her, his father is out of the picture. 0818 96 96 96. Now, <laughs> the dating scene. I am increasingly glad with every passing year that I don't have to worry about it. Because with every year, it starts to get, or seems to get, more confusing and more treacherous, to say the least. Jane Cowan writes a wonderful column, Diary of a Gen Z Student in The Examiner. And (laughs) are you on the dating scene, Jane, yourself? Good morning to you. Good morning. It's definitely not an easy landscape for us to navigate, but we do our best. You're t- you're writing about Dylan five seven three, and how he might actually be okay. Yeah, I think uh, with the dating apps, we sort of feel like we can keep swiping through them forever, and we're going to find some unbelievable person. But generally, that's not the case. <laughs> and maybe the normal person that uh, you rejected maybe before is uh, better than you think. Yeah. Um, As someone who used to be a boy (laughs) many years ago, uh, you say, and I'm reading this and I'm going, you know what, she's not wrong. Boys are simple creatures. 
They no. tell you a lot about themselves. <laughs> and it's true, it's very true. We have to listen to what they're telling us and decide what's what's true and what's not. <laughs> what, what would make you run a mile, Jane? Oh, now I've, I've been uh, on a date before where a boy told me how excited he was to meet my parents on the first date. And, uh, you know, I smiled at the time, but that sent me running. May, might I ask why, even though I'd be kind of saying that's a bit over keen, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the first date, you're still just trying to suss each other out and figure out what's what. I don't want to be sitting there thinking he can hear the, the wedding bells. <laughs> no, if he wants to meet your parent on the first date, I'd be, I'd be wondering, what, there wasn't a second, I take it. No, there wasn't. <laughs> and then there's the fella who his profile has no pictures of him. It's all him and his mates. Yeah, that's a very common um, mistake boys tend to make. Um, now, in fairness, I have to say we're probably the girls are probably kind of harsh on them, but uh, he doesn't usually end up being the one in the picture that you're hoping for him to be. In my experience. Oh, he's the spotty, nerdy one on the end. <laughs> Something like that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and gym bunnies. Beware of gym bunnies. Yes, that's another very common uh, mistake boys make. They like to, their profile will be saturated with pictures of them topless in a gym. And I think that usually means there's a bit of a self-obsession going on there. He'll probably always like the gym a bit more than he likes you. Really? I mean, if, I, I would have thought that girls would be interested in a fellow who looks after himself, right? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But if, uh, if it's the only thing on their profile, if they don't show any other hobbies, things like that, if, if it's a bit obsessive, you know, there's a line once yeah. they go past it. Um, it's probably a no from the girls. <laughs> You're also wary of boys who say their mother is the most important woman in their lives. <laughs> Why? I am a little bit wary of those ones, yeah. <laughs> now, it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing. Like, obviously, it's good if they have a nice relationship with their mother. But if they're too reliant on her, you know, I you can tell that might be a boy who's hasn't used a Hoover in a long time and maybe isn't very good at turning on the washing machine himself. Right, because Mammy's been doing it. <laughs> Usually, yes. Mm. <laughs> so, he, he, <laughs> sure, he could be... But yeah, but I mean, he might be a very nice fella. He might just not he be... A, I be. mean, but when, when I got married, Jane, <laughs> truthfully, and my wife would tell you, I couldn't boil an egg. You know? Your poor wife. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, totally. And and while I would install an entire satellite television system, I couldn't I couldn't turn on a washing machine, or at least I couldn't get the cycle right. I admit that. I think maybe our standards have changed, our expectations have changed a little bit, um, maybe since then. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to be turning on the washing machine for... A boy. <laughs> yeah. do, do, do modern do modern girls want a boy who can cook? Um. Yeah, I mean, we're not looking for Gordon Ramsay, but, you know, you have to be able to take care of yourself. I'm not looking to be someone's mother. 
Come come back with the about the, to, to the guy who and you said it yourself, your your first date he wanted to meet your, your parents. Your reaction was shock and horror, I think. Did you ever <laughs> say that back to, to your own parents and say, Come here, he wanted to meet you on the first date? <laughs> I did I did tell my uh parents that. And uh I think even they agreed that it was a little bit too much for the first date. Like, men of us, young men are probably listening to this going, what the hell does she actually want? Can we, can, we, can we have a few tips here, Jane? For the Jane Cowans of this world, um, fine, young, bright, articulate women who can write a fantastic newspaper column and make us all laugh, what kind of a fella do they... How, do, how should we present ourselves? For th- no, you're... I have to be honest, we are definitely very harsh on the poor boys. I mean, it's not easy on them. I think uh, their dating profile show a range of uh, interests and hobbies. And, you know, if some boys you'll see their only hobby is going to the pub with, the, with their friends. And <laughs> we're not really interested in that. Um I think so. There's also just an element of you know, be be yourself, be confident, and that always works. Be yourself, be confident. See, there's the thing: um, being yourself and being confident is very hard, given the level of scrutiny. It is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 constitutes a good hobby? Obviously, going to the pub with the mates, not really. I suppose, um, not too much gym either. What constitutes a good hobby? Stamp collecting. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if I'd ever go out with a stamp collector if I'm honest um, I think maybe if they're just whatever they're interested in you know if they're into sports or they're into reading or they enjoy movies whatever it is like we're not looking for any one particular thing mm. um, just something that you're interested in although the choice of movies can be a red flag too <laughs> it can indeed. Why? Um, yes, I think some boys they they know exactly what the girls want to hear. So I would I would tell the girls to be on on guard about that. I don't want to sound very cynical, but I I wouldn't believe any boy whose favorite movie is Little Women or something like that. No. I mean, maybe there's some of them out there. I don't think I've ever met one. Mm. <laughs> there probably are some of them out there. Yeah, and it, on on television, like if they watch Drive to Survive, or they watch, say, Boy Swallows Universe, which would you prefer? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I'd what I'd prefer. Um, <laughs> like, what do you want? Do you want? Them, do you want them to watch it. the same telly as you do? Like, well, what telly do you watch, for example? Uh, they don't have to watch. They don't have to have every uh, everything in common with me. Um, but I mean, if if he was into watching The Office, that would be a good uh, that would be a green flag for me. He said, "Be running from the room." <laughs> you would. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Anyway, that's just Not me. That's, that's just me. No. <laughs> yeah, Bernie. Bernie says, "Fair play. You don't want to be a mum to anybody. Hence, he <laughs> needs to be able to conduct himself in the kitchen, and and maybe plug in the Hoover now and again. Fair play. She doesn't want to be. But but what does? Bernie says, what What do you want? Like, what, what would you put in your profile, Jane? Bernie wants me to put your head on the block here. 
<laughs> uh, I think uh, usually you'd put in maybe if you're in college, what you're studying, um, what what your hobbies are, and um, things like that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably say I study English. I like to read. I like to watch The Office. Whatever it is. Yeah. You go out with your friends to the pub. You go clubbing. Yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a college student, so we do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, you do. So, Dylan573, if he's listening, <laughs> how, does, and how does he get swiped the right way, not the wrong way? <laughs> I think show a range of interests. Uh, be honest about what you're interested in. Uh, just some basic information about you. We want to know what do you do in your spare time, you know, or what are you what are you doing in college? Things like that. Just keep it simple. Be yourself. Yeah. On a serious note, Jane, before I wrap it up with you, um, dating off of apps, and I know people um, who've met their partners on dating apps, and it's all worked out tickety boo, but. Mm-hmm. Being serious for a minute, can it be dangerous? I think it can be. Um, I mean, there's obviously that um, you may not be speaking to who you think you're speaking to. But uh, I think people kind of get caught in an endless cycle of keep looking for more and more and then you kind of end up getting nowhere. Like if if you can never get off the dating app, there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do, do people, do, I don't know, speaking from personal experience, yourself, have you ever just met someone in a shop or in a pub or bumped into them on a train or a bus and started talking and thought, you know what, why don't we go out? Yeah, I mean, we still, we definitely still do that. Like, you'll meet someone in a bar and maybe you'll go for a coffee another day, something like that. But the dating apps are definitely massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're really big for students. So I think just all, nearly everyone at this stage, they're very important for us. Okay. All right, Jane. Thank you very much. Jane Cowan uh, writes Diary of a Gen Z Student, or Gen Z Student, I don't know which one. Is it Gen, Gen Z or Gen, Gen Z? Gen Z. Uh, the murky world of dating apps. Um, oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that, that I don't have to worry about that crack. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, let me bring in two young women. I have gotten to know quite well, both of them over the years, and they are now packing out venues with their podcast. And both of them have different takes on the dating game. I speak of Julie Haynes and my good old pal, Brenda Dennehy. Julie and Brenda. Hello there. Hi, Peter. How are you, ladies? Hi. How are we getting on? Hi, Bren. 
All good, all good. Great. Before I go any further with how you're doing dating, and you were listening to Jane there, this show is taking off for you. Yeah, it's wild, it's wild. Our shows are absolutely wild, Peter, to be honest. We're loving life, yeah. That's fantastic. You were in the you were in the hotels and venues up and down the country. Like what 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 it's what's it like to be to be a, a podcast star, Brenda? Ah, uh, PG, we're not like that at all. Honest to God, <laughs> podcast star, anything like that? No, we're. Do you know what? We absolutely love doing the podcast, Peach. Um, we've great chemistry, Julie and I. We've great stories to tell. And um, with the podcast, all we're doing is telling stories to the public, to the listeners, that all these women actually think, but they don't want to say out loud to someone. Yeah. So we make other women feel normal because we don't hold back on anything at all. But we love what the podcast does for people because, like, we have people there who might be very down or very depressed or whatever, and they might text and they might say, listen to a podcast today and it got me out walking. You don't understand what it did for me. And you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that, which means the world to us. That's why we do it. Like, that's yeah. why we love do it. And the shows then is another level altogether. Like, we got an aftershock because we have the Cork International show there on the 6th and it's all out in three minutes. And then we have two shows in the Strand in Limerick. And, like, Limerick isn't our home ground at all, you know? Yeah. And we had one show, and I think it sold out in, like, 90 seconds or something, like 600 tickets, and they put on another one. We were like, I should look half that will be full now. That sold out as well. So there's talks of another bigger venue up the country, which we're waiting to confirm. So PJ, absolutely wild. We're so grateful. There's no notions here. Uh, so the whole star thing, that into us at all. Like, we are very much still the same. We'll always be the same. And it's just wild. It's gone wild. But we're, we can't believe it, but we absolutely love doing it. And is it the, t- the, the case, Julie, that it's like two, it is clearly two great friends just nattering about stuff that women talk about that they wouldn't talk about to anybody else. That it, Jane? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when they came to me, they asked me would I do the podcast and I said, look, I don't want to do it on my own. I think it's important or it's easier if you have someone there to bounce back and forth with. So they're like, no problem, Julie, pick somebody. So I, like within seconds, I just thought of Brenda straight away. And at the time, Brenda was in London. So I rang her or I texted her and I was like, what do you think of doing a podcast with me? And so she jumped at the chance. She was like, absolutely. And so we're doing it now just just a year. Now we're only going a year and we're loving it. We're loving Like we both, like Brenda is single out in London and I'm single here in Cork, but I'm a single mom. So it's it's so very different, but... You know, so it's brilliant. It's really good. Which brings me to what we're actually talking about here. We're talking about with Jane was was dating profiles. Like, are you both on the scene and available, as it were? Yeah, yeah. New Year, yeah, New yeah. One. <laughs> single, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Brenda, I'll, I'll start with you because we worked together for so long, girl. And yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. like yeah. you, you were, you were. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been. You would have been. You wouldn't have been the easiest woman to please. I love the games, PJ. Look, I love the games. Honest to God, no, it's not even that. It's not even high standards thing. I just, I'll be honest with you, PJ. I absolutely adore being single. Honest to God, no. If there's, if I see on a man's dating profile, they're looking to settle down, like he's not the one for me because I've no notion of settling down at all. Um, it's not even to please. I think I go for when they're. If this is the thing with me as well. When probably when they're absolutely too nice, then it's kind of like, oh God, he's too, you know, that's the thing. If they're too nice, 
like it's you probably want a bit of a bad boy at times but I think I'm coming out of that and I'm more into personality now to be honest with you Peach I really am but the thing is here as um, the girl who was on ahead of us with that great article on Jane yeah the Gen Z um, like with the profile pictures as she was saying that when you see a group it's never the guy you think it is you're like and you always go You it's made to think oh it's the really hot guy in the middle and you know it's not you know yeah. what I mean and maybe that's an insecurity on the fella which is very fair but then I suppose as well like there's a lot of lies that goes on as well and I'm sure women do it too but there's a big thing with the height if they say they're 6 foot 2 you can be sure they're 5 foot 9 you should take a few <laughs> shades of inches off oh guaranteed guaranteed but you know what I'm gonna, I said the other day I was there going, do you know I'm going to start writing that I'm six foot and see how they like? Because they might be like, oh, this blonde model, now Irish model, coming to meet me. They see me coming in five foot six. Well, go, yeah, how do you like that now? How, how important? Like Jane was talking about, like, fellas who are close to their mom, for example. They say the most important. No, Does that bother you? I don't mind that either. I think that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, like she she takes it to mean that he can't boil an egg. I'm sure, I wouldn't mind that either. I can't barely boil an egg either. She would just get taken away or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and even the group pictures, I don't mind that either because at least then you know he has friends and like he's outgoing yeah. and of a personality. I don't mind the group pictures either. Oh, what a big ick for me is if he's. Taking like mirror selfies or selfies, and like, oh, go away, gosh, right. Like, no, I don't like that at all. I'd rather fella that's in the group pictures. You don't like mirror selfies? N- not for lads, no, 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 no. No, right. with no women are the. Gym. I often wondered, actually, you know, this thing with women and selfies and the phone. Like, there is yeah. a setting on the phone where you can put the damn thing down by the mirror and it'll take a picture of you on a timer. You don't. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's this not like the selfie mirror, the selfie camera. Mm. It takes a better picture. <laughs> and, and a bit of power is over it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But the, the gym buddy there. Now, Julie, so let, let's, let's take each of you in turn. Julie, you decide, right, I want to find myself a date for, for Saturday night. What are you looking for? So, PJ, I change my mind all the time. For a month, I was mad about the lad that would wear the Snickers pants. But then recently, builders. I was at Builders. Like, I love the old lad that wears the Snickers pants, all right? I think yeah. that's very, yeah, I think that's gorgeous. Then recently, I was scrolling on TikTok, and I seen a farmer, but he was calling the cows, and I love the way he called the cows. Like, <laughs> suck, 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 suck. I, I love that. So now I'm mad about my, I'm mad about a farmer, country boy. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Brenda, you used to like the bad boys. I remember you, and I'm not going to spill any secrets, but I remember no. some fine, lovely, decent fellas interested in you years ago, and you showed them all the door because they were too nice. Uh, well, Paige as well, like uh, my thing then would be I'd be into the all uniform. You know what I mean? They're at Christmas over here now. I had uh, two soldiers, I had a Metropolitan Police fella, and then actually I reunited with a fella off the television who plays a terrorist in Proda. Um, you met him again? So I'd be into, I met him again, yeah. We can't really say much now, Peach, but yeah, met him again. So that's kind of my thing there, do you know what I mean? I'm even, I'm going a bit too far going into character on a TV show, and they're a bad boy on that as well, do you know what I mean? 
but that's my kind of thinking. But to be honest, yeah. like I just want to be made laugh. That's all I want someone to make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, now there's a few like men I've met, and all, um, unfortunately they've been in they're they're going out with someone else, and I'm like, oh my god, if only he wasn't married, I'd marry him because he's making me laugh so much, like yeah. in hysterics. And one of the guys I did meet who's uh, in the army, whatever. Like, he was absolutely hilarious. His yeah. mother was from Tr- Castle Island, actually, where my mother's from. We'd such a skip, but there wasn't that attraction there, unfortunately. But I was like, oh, my God, I wish there was, because he'd be the one now for me, because I was in hysterics with him. I'm and laughing at you. Even, like, There's a podcast episode in what you just said, and you didn't realise it. You know me, Brendan, enough, long, enough to, long enough to know a picture. You had two soldiers and a policeman. Yeah. Not all at the same time, I hope. Oh, Jesus, no, no, they were all. I went down a wild one at Christmas. I was like, see, when I either I go like this, I think Julie's the same. I go all out, I'll do what I'll do, like, go meet him now Tuesday, Thursday, because you see, it takes a lot of me to do it. My nerves to be at me. Honest to God, I know people might think oh, she's well confident. I'd be a state page, you know, meeting these men. So if I do it all in one, kind of within the week, it takes it off because I'll get into kind of a routine. Right. So now I was meant to meet another guy this weekend, but I'm, I was up now this morning running and stuff like that, so I'm a bit tired. So I just can't. I just need to kind of come down now and relax right. because I get I, I get into a bit of an anxious. Um, it's, it's, especially the first day. Like the first day, yeah. Julie, yeah, with oh, the farmer. Like we'd be voicing out oh, each other. I'd be nearly half empty reaching going out the door because I do not want to go out here and meet this lad. It's, it's horrible. Or just walking up to them if they're sitting in with their Starbucks now. That I forget oh. how to walk. I actually forget how to walk because I know he's looking at me and I do everything wrong. Really? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Uh, like, I know from myself and Brenda, we'd be a nervous wreck. Would you be nervous? Uh, oh, and yeah, then once you sit down and you yeah. have to chat, whatever, goes lovely, it's grand, and you're like, what an angel I was. But yeah, it's it's leading up to it, I, we'd be, yeah, we'd be, uh, so chis was all w- would, you be, would you be meeting the farmer in Starbucks, like, and would he be sitting and saying, oh, over here, over here? <laughs> I'd be, I'd be hoping to meet him down and uh, be a bit of road frontage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, ladies, it is great to catch up with you both again. The Left on Red podcast is flying it, and uh, they're both, both causing mayhem in their own way in the dating game. Brenda Dennehy, formerly of this parish, now producing TV in the UK, and we're so proud of her. And Julie Haynes of Twins and Me, together they do the Left on Red podcast. Lads, even for a fella, I may tell you now, even for a fella, I'd be in stitches laughing at the two of them. Tis gas. Oh, wait, what? Don't, don't mind your Joanne and Fig. Don't mind them two. These two are where it's happening. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Coach 96 FM They can call me Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie On Cork's 96 FM. 
Powers to Protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we look at Ireland's new deposit return scheme, which launches on February 1st. Colin O'Byrne is with Return to Change at Voice Ireland and explains why the initiative is needed in Ireland. A couple of reasons. One is that we don't collect enough of these bottles for recycling. They reckon that maybe 50% of the bottles and cans, plastic bottles and cans, don't actually end up going to the recycling bins to get recycled. They either end up going into the general waste bin and getting sent off to dumps or the incinerators, or they're just shown lost as litter. Uh, and, uh, you know, littering the environment up and down the country. So that's one reason. The other reason is, and kind of the reason that kick-started all of this, was the European Union has what's called a single-use plastic directive. So you might remember the whole farrago about plastic straws being gone and the paper straws uh, being brought in their place and the shin scale. As part of the single-use plastic directive, one of the things they want is a collection, a 90% collection rate for recycling of plastic bottles by the end of the decade. And the only really effective way to do this that any other country has figured out is through the deposit return scheme. So that's why we're, we're implementing here one, uh, one in Ireland as well. Consumers will pay a small deposit on each single-use bottle or can when purchasing. And Colin explains the next steps to get their cash refund or store credit. People keep their plastic bottles and cans with their bags or out where they keep their the bags could be in the back of the car and bring it with them when they do their, their weekly shop. They put the bottles and the cans into the machines, get the, the chit out, which says they're due whatever amount in their deposit, and then that comes off their shopping bill at the end. That, that tends to be the experience across Europe. That's what it, just, it becomes part of the shopping routine. Um, now, there, you don't have to go to the supermarkets or the big reverse vending machines. You can bring it back to any shop. Now, some shops have decided to go for an exemption because they thought, well, look, we don't have the space. But they'll point you in the direction of the nearest shop who will take the bottles and cans. But really, shops can take back manually. They don't have to have machines. Deposit return schemes are currently operating in 13 EU countries, with many more signed up to do it. And figures show that countries without a return system have an average recycling rate of 49%. Colin tells us how the countries already using such initiatives have seen figures rise. Well, they've seen it go right up. Um, some countries get there quicker than others, but if you look at the what I suppose you might call the gold standard for collection rates, is Germany and Norway. And Germany, I think, recently had a 98% collection rate. Norway usually gets in around anywhere between 94 and 96% every year collection of plastic bottles that were put on the market. And because you know exactly the bottles that are put on the market, they have to be registered with each respective scheme, you know how many are collected as well uh, through the deposits that are given back. So, uh, yeah, they would be the, the gold standards. And, and every other country really gets at least over 80%, you know, so far better than the, the 47% figure you gave there as the average. A recent Red Sea poll by Voice Ireland showed that 76% of people are aware of the new scheme and 86% of respondents have said they will participate in the return system. Colin tells us why people are rowing in behind it. So the, the most cited motivation to take part in it was to reduce litter in my community. Was, was the answer given. Um, so that was great. So people are just saying, like, well, the, all these bottles and cans, they realise that once the, the deposit return scheme comes in, there'll effectively be a bounty on empty plastic bottles and cans. So that, you know, you'll be seeing money roll around in the shape of plastic bottles and cans. And people generally don't tend to leave money roll around the place, the streets. So they're making the connection between the bounty on these containers 
and them not ending up as litter. And, and they they just like to see their communities look a, a little bit better. And if you look at any kind of waste characterization study in Ireland, the main, um, you won't be surprised to learn, but the main items tend to be bottles, cans, cigarette butts, and increasingly of late, uh, single-use coffee cups. So so getting the plastic bottles and cans out of there just make the area look a bit better. People you know, feel a bit better about their community. Maybe the local tidy towns group don't have to spend so many volunteer hours picking up other people's bottles and cans. Instead, they can be doing something more constructive with their time, you know. So that's the benefits people kind of expect to see on a community or a local basis. To learn more about the deposit return scheme, visit return.ie or return for change or alternatively, check the show notes on this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie. Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 966966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. I wonder will you be sitting down to watch the Euro song tonight? Let me know if you will. 083 396 9696. Bambi Thug, who was on the show with me last week. Bambi from McCroom, of course. Uh, hotly tipped, very hotly tipped to come through the voting process tonight. But there are six songs. I think Bambi is second on the running order tonight. That'll be on the, the Late Late Show. It'll be interesting to see how how Patrick Keelty does with that. Speaking of television, and I mentioned this earlier in the week, I mentioned that I was giving it a go and I was waiting for something to happen. And in the middle of episode two, something did happen and I was hooked. I've got two episodes left of Boy Swallows Universe. It is fabulous. It's just so, so good. But there's a young lad in it. If you're watching it, you'll know. If you watch it, you'll see him. I've never heard of him or the sky above him. I don't know who he is, where he's from. don't know anything about him. His name is Felix Cameron. He plays a young lad, Eli, one of the central characters in Boy Swallows Universe. If he doesn't win something for his part in in this particular television show on Netflix. There's no justice in the world. He is just phenomenal. Even when I was beginning to kind of lose interest in the show midway through the second episode, it was he who pulled me back into the screen. He's brilliant. Just so, so good. And another one of my my favourites is in it too. And I won't give you any spoilers. He doesn't last the whole series Brian Brown, who's a wonderful Australian actor. And by the way, who knew? Who knew that The Mentalist, Patrick Jane in The Mentalist, that he'd be so good in, in a gritty role? Because he's brilliant. That's I'm looking forward to the last couple of episodes of that tonight now. Uh, Queen Bee is going out, so I'll have the telly to myself for the night, which is nice. 0818969696, the number, the text, or WhatsApp, 083 396 and the email, opinion at 96fm.ie wonderful program on TG Carr there's a great television channel that's just sitting there 
doing its own thing. And we never really pay it much attention. We don't pay it enough attention, actually. It produces some wonderful stuff. It's got a, a series at the moment called Schlinne, which is about the surnames and the heritage of some surnames in Ireland. And the second episode is this Sunday at half past eight. And one of the features, it, a lot of people featured in it that night, they'll be featuring Limo Higgin, uh, our local historian and tour guide friend, Professor Paul McCotter from UCC, uh, Dermot O'Driscoll, historian, and featuring Martin Duggan from Duggan's Shoe Repair Shop on Shandon Street, who we think he'll tell us, are you the only cobbler still practicing the trade on the north side of the city? Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I am actually, yeah. Um, I'm the only one on the north side, the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. Um, but it was, uh, I suppose, what was so, what, uh, it was Noel Gallagher who was interviewing me about this. And, you know, she is, as you know, um, Liam O'Marcou's uh, daughter. That's right. Who he, he, he hosted the, the show Tromog Zetrum. Tromog Zetrum. Many years ago. And I'm showing my age because I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy my age because I remember it as well. And um, he actually was born, I believe, just um, at the corner of uh, where Shannon Street and Bar- uh, Blarney Street meet, yeah. which is actually called Brogmakers Hill. There's your hint straight away. Mm. And she was very interested in the amount of leather workers and craft workers that were in the Shandon area at the time was incredible. You know, as again, I said, with, with the Brogue Makers Hill and his, Limo Morakus, I think he's, his father, his, his grandfather, I think he's, his father, was actually a shoe, either a shoe maker or a shoe repairer. Is that just and there, now he, just get me geography right here, Martin, yeah. is that as you walk yeah. up from the funeral home, heading up... Uh, O'Connor's funeral home, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as you're going up the hill, there was a cobblestone there many years ago. Erwin's Chemist is on the left there, yeah. And just uh, just before you reach Erwin's Chemist, there's a kind of a square there. Yes. And that's, uh, they, 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 there's kind of houses and there's little uh, steps going up. Yeah. That's Brogmaker's Hill. I gotcha. I gotcha. And right. he was born, uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So he, he was um, he was born there. And um, so uh, I was just talking about, I suppose, it's just a juxtaposition of me being kind of the only one in the north side now. But there was such a high of activity and industry from the the leather industry in, in, in the Shandon area at the time. It, yeah. was, it was incredible. You know, there was so, there was just so, so, so many. And, you know, again, you'd have like Cattle Market Avenue, there's your hint as well, yeah. the cattle. And this, 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 by the way, like, it was no accident. I remember I was, I was listening to... Um, uh, a, a talk by a historian, local historian here, Sean, Sean Mulcahy, and it was it was, was organised up in Coffa House by um, Shandonary History Group, and he gave a fascinating insight into it. That it was actually the merchant princes from Sunday as well who pushed this, who drove Shandon Street, and got farmers to come from all over the country with their cattle, and pay them, you know, a deposit for next year to come back next year. 
And so this is how the industry developed in the area. And you'd had, you know, you had a kind of thing called a shambles, which was kind of a slaughterhouse on yes, Pope's yes, Key. Yes, yes, yes. And, and you'd have had, I remember, again, I'm old enough to remember, guys, and they used to be bringing the skins, the leather skins into the tannery. You know, and you'd lovely see the blood flowing down in the cobblestones as as, as they were dragging you across in the do, do you know, sun. When you, when you think about it, Martin, and the things that you're telling me there, even the last five minutes, the history of our city and great mm-hmm. trades like your trade taught to you, I assume, taught to you by your dad when he That's opened correct. his yeah. shop. Great trades, like they're they're gone. They're they're sadly dying out. When did you repair your first shoe or learn to repair your first shoe? Yeah, many years ago. Um, I, I was fifteen, and um, I suppose I sorry, I was thirteen really. Um, I was thirteen just when uh, uh, during the summer, I. Uh, at seven, I, I lived in Peacock Lane, and then we moved at seven. Our first um, shop was um, where Shandon Flowers is now. Yeah. That, we only rented that, and then we moved uh, across the road and we bought the whole building. So at, at seven, I came from Peacock Lane down in, and it was you know it was a very funny house. You know, it was two houses joined together, and I thought as a child it was great. You know, you're running up one stairs, up the other stairs, and mm-hmm. and all that, and. So um, I, you know, you'd sit in the, uh, you'd sit in the shop looking at your father repairing shoes all the time, and then at, I suppose, um, when I was about thirteen during the summer holidays, I worked for him, and then the second summer holidays I worked for him again, and then when I finished my intercert, I worked for him full time after that. Then yeah. was you know? he a shoe so, maker or a shoe repairer? Well, he was a shoe. He was a shoe repairer, right? Now he tell you he could make shoes, and he'd often to you tell me as well. There was a first demarcation between the difference. You know, there was a kind of um, a snobbery there that if you were a shoemaker, you were a class above a shoe repairer, hmm. and then you could you couldn't know. I don't care if people call me a cobbler, but if you call him a cobbler, he'd get very insulted because a cobbler was somebody who was around the corner with um, a three-legged last who would rough or, uh, who would roughly repair shoes because you know the word cobble is cobbled yeah, together, together would be yeah. rough cob cobble so he that, that that would be that so he but he was but funny enough it was that was the year before last that I was I was up in um uh Westport mm. and there was a pub there called the Cobblers okay. so of course I had to go in for a pint and it was a Cobblers before but this guy who actually was a shoemaker in Dublin and all his stuff was staring at stuff. He was a shoemaker in Dublin, but when he went to Westport, the, the shoemaking was going downhill. So he sat to repair shoes. But I was looking at the articles and he didn't like it. You know, he felt it was a bit of a step down <laughs> to go from a shoemaker to a shoe repairer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it was... Um, it's, it's a trade it's a, that, like most people, now I don't know, the last, I can distinctly remember the last pair of shoes... I got repaired, Martin, was I had a pair of traditional Spanish, Spanish sandals called Avarcas, and the strap mm-hmm. broke on them. And I got someone right. to make me and put a strap on it for me, but there was a, like, I can't, and that's years, that, that's nearly 10 years ago now. We throw our shoes away now when they get a bit worn out. That must be bad for business. It is, and I suppose that's why like, I remember. I remember, like when I was working for my father, and particularly, you know, you'd have a shelf, a lady shelf, 
you'd have a gent shelf and then you'd have a boy shelf and that was the kitty, you know, that's because all the boys wore black shoes and they might play soccer in them and they'd done this and they'd done that in them and they wore, but no, quite a lot of them would wear runners and stuff. But I, I think the kind of message I got across to people and, you know, even as I was say, I think I say, I say it on the show is that, um, I view social, I think you have to change all the time, you know, and I've used social media a lot, doing a lot of before and after photographs and letting people know that you can repair things that they think can't be repaired. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of units now and stuff like that, that people don't realize you can do. Yeah. And so we, we had to change and we're different from the cobblers before, you know, the cobblers before would have tacked stuff and the glues wouldn't have been as good. And the presses, they, they'd, they'd have had their own skills, yeah. but we kind of changed on and developed because the shoes are different. We have to work differently now. Would, would you and, still, uh, would you still think, sole and heel a shoe? Like the, a comfortable oh, shoe and the sole yeah, goes yeah. like that's the end of the shoe. Oh no! You you try you'd repair. I'd rarely say no to anything. You know, you 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 can do most things, and I think that's the kind of the message you try to get across as well. And look, I always say people would ring me now or contact me and say, "Look, I have a pair of shoes here. Could you do them? And oh, will I bring them into you?" And I said, "Look, the worst thing I'm going to say to you is no." Yeah. You know, so that's a, but but you 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 can do you can do most things, and I think that's the message you get across. The type of casual shoes that people are wearing now. Yeah. Most of them can be repaired, you know. Mm. Most of them can be, even repaired. though they seem that they're they're clearly like factory made and they came out of a machine. You can still repair mm. them. Oh, 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 you can still repair them, and like people do pay a fair bit now for shoes. Again, yeah, I know you can get your very very cheap shoes. There was a time uh, during the eighties. I remember and it was a horrible time, like for all cobblers. And uh, I don't know. Do you remember the plastic shoes? I do. They were just completely plastic. They cut the feet and off it. They were horrible things. They cut the they cut the feet off it, and you'd sweat like a pig. That's right. And they'd they'd crack, and you just we just had to say no. You can't do it. You can't stitch them before the sole would ever wear down the heat. They'd crack, and you say no. And they were. The equivalent of, um, we'd say, a pair of soles. And he's me, you know, the average, we'd just say 30 euros to, to uh, do your average pair of gent soles and heels. But they were buying those shoes, we said, for 25 euros. That's right, that's right. Well, they, 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 kept, they, cut, they cut the feet off, yeah. And like you said, your, your feet would be stinking. It would be stinking and they'd, be, they'd, they'd cut the feet off it. But it took a while. It it took a good five, six, seven years. Yeah, they were a bit like, know, was a a bit t- like Wav and Hurley's. They looked like a nice idea at the time, but, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly, there was also exactly. something, Martin, that people would, they'd have shoes for everyday wear, shoes for work, shoes for going to the pub, but they'd have a pair of good shoes that only ever came out on a Sunday or if they were going to a wedding. Are going to a funeral. Do people still do that? Well, they, well, do, do you know something? Now people are, and I, I'm, um, I, I'm speaking a lot to people about, about this, right? About looking after your shoes. And before, now, you, of course, we, we'd have had a lot of ex-army people before. You know, your mother and father, your father would or, would have been ex-army, and he'd have got out the biscuit tin, and he'd have had his black shoes, brown shoes, and his good mass shoes. And Saturday night, he would polish the three of them and. And again, like a good idea, which they done at the time, is they alternated their shoes, not to wear the same pair of shoes every day. Yeah. And because, you know, obviously perspiration 
give the shoe a chance to dry out where the shoe, so we say maybe the black shoes on a Monday, the brown shoes on a Tuesday, and then on a Sunday you, you, you wear your good shoes. Another thing I say to people a lot as well, and, and people are looking after them more and they're polishing them now and they're waxing them a lot more. Another thing I'm saying to keep, be careful about where you're storing shoes. I've actually bought this th- these things, you know, I think I got them online in Rutch stores. You know, they're like shoe boxes, they're plastic, but there's little holes in them. Yeah. And I don't put my shoes, I don't put my shoes into a wardrobe or anything because of the climate we have here shoes get damp yeah then they dry out then they get damp and then they dry out and with the lockdown and things like that they'd leave shoes that the shoes could have been in the wardrobe for a year year and a half and then they take them out and they're after disintegrating right so i would all i would always advise people to to leave to, to don't put shoes in the wardrobe you know and again, if, if they get wet, if you go out and get wet, something people would do all the time before, no, they don't, stuff them with newspaper. Yeah. You know, and put them into a dry area and leave it. That is very important because if they get wet and the dampness stays inside, it rots. All the insoles are not only cardboard, they're not uh, leather. So the insoles would rot. So put some, put newspapers into them. Take the damp newspapers out, put more newspapers in. When the newspapers are dry, get out your polish yeah. and polish them. Yeah. And you know, for a pair of shoes that you're going, I remember reading one time you should have the best coat, the best mattress, and the best pair of shoes that you can afford. How mm-hmm. much would you spend on a good pair of shoes, Martin? Would you think? Well, it's a, right. <laughs> Just it was actually um, John Collins famously said um, that always make sure that you buy a good pair of shoes and a good bed because if you're not in one you're in the other right but, okay um, okay yeah, that's, that's so, a good twist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bear in um, mind she's but, she's 91 and looking a million dollars so she, she 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 must know something <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you do yeah um I find, like, I'm getting a lot of very expensive shoes in those as well. You know, people are buying the Louis Vuittons and stuff like that. We put the red sole on the Louis Vuitton shoes, you know. And, um, come here, people, come here. But, share, share. Martin, do you ever get, know, do you ever wrong, get anyone? No, 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 no. Do you ever get yeah. anyone come in, right, with an ordinary pair of shoes and say, would you ever throw a few red, a couple of red soles on them so I can fool people? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> so, uh, 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 are you notice with guests? Uh, did you ever notice with guests that you're talking about watching the late late show tonight? Do you ever notice sometimes when the guests are on the late late show, they're lifting their leg when they have the Louis Vuittons on to show that they have the right soles on? <laughs> but yeah. uh, I suppose to answer your question, I would think probably a hundred euro, two hundred euro. Right. Uh, again, people ask me what type of shoes to buy, and I'd be saying, look, it's like you ask me what type of car to buy. It's no point me telling you to buy a sports car or a Jeep. You know, it depends on what you're going to do with the shoes. And this happens as well. People come to me and say, oh, 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 I paid 200 euro for those shoes. Look at the condition. I'm looking at it. And I said, I know, but I said, they're an Italian shoe. <laughs> I said, you're not, living in, you're not living in Italy. You know, you don't also, wear them in the rain. I also <laughs> saw you out with the spuds the other morning, like you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you should. So it's it's horses for courses. You know, if if you're working or you're hill walking, you put on the, the boots. If you're going to a you know a party or a nice warm weather, or you want nice comfortable shoes, wear your Italian shoes, but don't wear them in the rain. Yeah, runners are <laughs> rubber dollies, as we used to call them when we were small boys. Mm. They've taken off now. Everybody wears them. 
they do, but they don't wear they, they they don't wear the actual you know the gym runner as such, and it, it's 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 amazing that that ever caught on to the extent that, um, you know, people were so like teenagers now are, are so obsessed with hygiene. Yeah, but your feet your feet are going to smell. Yeah, with uh, runners, your feet are going to smell. But they, 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 I would consider now what people are wearing more are casual shoes. They're kind of a hybrid between a good shoe and a runner. Mm. Not very, not very many people know where the actual runners all of the time like they used to before. I, I think there's a bit of a shift from that. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are wearing... More, more a trainer, more a kind of a runner type shoe. Like I wear them myself. Uh, you know. Exactly. A kind of a hybrid between... Not shoe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of a hybrid that you'd have the the dress shoe for when you're invited to weddings or funerals and stuff. Not invited to a funeral, but when you're going to a funeral. Yeah. Or then you'd have the, the casual shoe that you, you'd wear, not not the runner, and it's something that you don't sweat in. Yeah. You know, you you don't sweat in, but it, 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 it's 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 a casual, comfortable shoe. It's what people are doing. And again, the message I try to get across, and you know, most other cobblers try to get across is they can be repaired by and large. Wow. Some yeah. people think they can't, you know. Yeah. But they, yeah. that's the message I, I I kind of try to get across. You know, as again as I said, with kind of social media and stuff, I post stuff and things like that like show kind of a before and after, and yeah. people are saying, "Oh, I didn't realize you could repair well, them." You have to move with the times, too, yeah. don't you? You have to be repair. exactly. Yeah, you have. You have did, did, yeah. Is, is there a is there a young Duggan to whom the trade is being passed on, or are you the last of the breed? <laughs> There is not there. There's, well, there's a uh, there's a dog on but he no. I I have two children, you know. So I the, my son Graham and my daughter Emily, and um, they never um, uh, they, they he never really had an interest in it. He he and oh, you know, as people say, ah, oh, you, you you should have kind of encouraged him. And I just, look, it's it's up to himself what he wanted to do. He's actually he has his own place now. He's a personal trainer, physical therapist, out in Blarney Underground Fitness. That's what he wanted to do. It's He's him. very happy doing it. But my daughter was more interested than he ever was. She used to love being in the shop, serving counter, answering the phone, and um, doing um. Uh, uh, doing doing the till and stuff like that. She used to love that, but she's in college now. She's doing her PhD. So, um, no, I had actually when years ago when we were across the road, there was my mother and father, and I had two cousins, Aaron and Maria. And when they heard I'm on the radio today, they said, "If you don't mention me, mention us, we'll never talk to you again." <laughs> so, Fair enough. Fair so, enough. So, so, so they used come up. So they used come up on the Saturdays. You're, you're talking. <laughs> you were talking about the, the places around you there. Um, brogue makers and all that, but someone yeah, wants to know right, Knockers yeah. Alley. Where was that? Oh, jeez, I don't know. And people, people come in and they ask me, you know, um, you know, they, they, they're, they're from they're Americans and they're, they 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 say, look, um, my father was born in Covent Lane or this lane and that lane, and I I don't know. Now I know. Um, Professor Parrott, remember uh, Dr. Parrott, he done um, a kind of a thing in the library. It's digital now that you can go on all the lanes and alleys That's right. in the Shandon area. I, I just tell him, yeah. I, I tell him, go, go. It's where, I think it's where they used to get, the, the, it must be up somewhere near Cattle Market Avenue because it's where the cattle were knocked out before they were slaughtered, I think. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that. No, to be Harper's to, Lane, to they be call honest. it these days. Harper's is Lane. it Harper's Lane? Yeah, yeah. I, 
I don't. I, as I said, I no, know, the lanes. No, I, I no, would. It's just, I, do you know I, what I, it is? I, do you know what it is, Martin? The area that you're in is such a beautiful area and it's steeped in such wonderful history. It's, it's great to it chat with a- you. The programme is on TG Cahar Sunday night at, um, at half past eight. What is... Are you talking in it about the origin of Duggan or about the shop? Yes. Again, I, uh, what, what, what I'm talking about is the fact, as I just said, because uh, I think that that... Um, you know, I think they're tracing the history of um, of people of names and their history. It's kind of a kind of a who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? Type yeah. show, type thing. I think, and I think, as I said, now again, Noel Gallagher, who's um, Liam Marakou's daughter, just came to this area because that's where he was born, and the fact that his father was in was a shoemaker or a shoe repairer, yeah. that they. They, they, they found that, they said that I was the last one in the, the Shandon area in the, the north side and they just came in to chat about that and I, I, I suppose I was just trying to painting a picture of what life was like in Shandon Street during her father and her grandfather's time. Well, you know? We've had a lovely chat for the last 20 odd minutes Martin, yeah, about it. It's <laughs> a lo- lovely part of the world and continued success to you uh, at uh, Duggan's a shoe repair shop on Shannon Street. That's Martin Duggan. Thank you. And he'll be on. Uh, it, it, like I said, TG Carr has little hidden gems uh, popping up all over the place. And Schlinner Sunday at half past eight features features Martin and indeed uh, Liam O'Higgin, great historian and another fine historian, dear Mildrishkiol. Thank you, Martin Nurk. Good morning, I suppose, seeing it's a TG Car program. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie. Quartz 96 FM. I had my keys and I had my big water bottle and then I had to get a coconut water bottle and fill it with water so I could clear the windscreen and then I... Wait, 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 what? You cleared the windscreen with coconut water? The most no. easiest way to clear it was it on the Rolls Royce or... I was walking from the car to the door of here and I was going this is your polar plunge you know except you just don't have to get wet. Oh, this is your polar plunge? Vincent is the metal canister full of coconut water. <laughs> Lorraine and Ross in the morning. With no DC cars, the place to order your 2024 Skoda. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Open 24-7 at nulldc.com. Quick mention for the front page of today's Echo. There's a picture of it of young Katie Bourne, um, who was trying to raise an awful lot of money for surgery uh, on her back or her, her pelvis, her hips. Um, Katie Bourne, you often hear me here talking to an Antoinette. Um, Antoinette is, is Katie's mom and, and mentions her from uh, time to time. But I'm just, I haven't seen Katie in, in quite some time. See her on the, the front page of, of the Echo today. And of course, wish her well with the fundraising and anything we can ever do, lads. You know where we are. But she's turning into her mammy. Seriously, Antoinette. She, she is a mini you. <laughs> the head of her mammy is uh, young Katie Bourne. Read that story on the front page 
of of the echo um, and hopefully you can you can help her out if there's a fundraiser on join the conversation this is the opinion line with the furniture center watercourse road blackpool for sofas beds kitchen dining and mattresses over 45 years in business the furniture center.ie if you're someone that likes a nice piece of meat if i told you that you could get wagyu beef in cork you'd go no you can't Yes, you actually can. I've only ever had it once in my life at a very posh dinner that I wasn't paying for. It's gorgeous, most beautiful meat. There's a place called Finno Farm out near Mill Street, out in the shadow of the mountains there near Mill Street, finnofarm.ie, where Connor Sheehan is farming Wagyu or Wagyu meat. Connor, good morning. <laughs> I would never have thought... The most beautiful velvet meat was being farmed in Ireland. Yeah, well, it was nearly 20 years ago. I googled the most expensive beef in the world and I didn't know where to get it. So I sourced embryos in Europe and I brought them to Ireland here and I spent a lot of money and I got also I got one fertile bull. And the other fellow was not fertile, so I actually had him for my 40th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and a fine the, feed, the funny, I'd say he made too. It, it was, and the funny thing about it was the, the, the people that were at my birthday party didn't know what they were eating, and uh, if I told them what they were, they'd say that I was half mad. But um, um, I bred them into um, into, uh, into purebred Angus Angus herded at the time here and I'd been breeding them with different semen that I imported from Germany for the last 20 years and mm. we sold the cows in 2018 and um, some guy above in Tipperary called Noel Clancy and he said would you like to go on the Twitter he says and explain about your Wagyu sure I had these these Wagyu cattle on my farm for so long they were nearly pets by we know but I, I had to do something with them because, but no I had time to think about them when I wasn't milking cows anymore and I went on to Twitter and I told people about my Wagyu and I showed them what I had and how I was rearing them. And the next thing I was getting, people were looking for Wagyu meat. Mm. It's gorgeous. And I mean, as I, I said, I've only ever had it once in my life. I intend to have it twice by the end of 2024, I can tell you. <laughs> but now that I know where I can yeah. get it. But what is it about it? Um, why is it so gorgeous? The, the Wagyu beef, the, the Americans found it a long time ago and they thought it was actually the sake that uh, the, the Japanese were feeding. It was the mash from the sake, but it was just the genetics in the animal itself. Now, the Japanese um, have a totally different way of rearing the animal to what I have because, firstly, I'm not in Japan. I'm in Mill Street and I grass base my Wagyu. Yeah. They have a very highly concentrated uh, feed uh, ration diet in their animal and they keep them inside in the shed for a lot of the time. All the time, I would imagine. I've never been there, but from the videos I'd be watching on YouTube, they're inside the sheds. They, and they, the, the Japanese have massive respect for their farmers. And they, the farmer actually takes his animal to the factory. The factory actually processes the animal, and the animal goes back to the farmer then, and that goes out in auction. It's completely different here in Ireland. Mm. When you sell your animal to the factory, it's gone from you. You you can't do any more. So... Uh, uh, I, it took me a while to find someone to, to help me and the Crowleys above in Ballancolic and Ballyburden came to my rescue and they have been fantastic to me in helping me in my little venture and going forward they've been a great help to me and without them there would be no Fino Farm. Mm. Now the, the beast has to be a particular age before it can go for meat because the meat almost has to mature on the animal's bones. 
Yes, that's true. Um, I have actually have bullocks here nearly five years of age. And the reason why they're five years of age is because I had to wait until I had enough stock behind me because it was very hard to find any Wagyu in the country. But I've been keeping these lads all the time. And, and the Wagyu starts uh, maturing at around 28 months of age. And I've, uh, they, they layer the meat. So you've got layers of fat and layers of um, meat. That's the way it goes. And the the, the, the meat itself is very tender and it room, it melts at room temperature. The fat itself is the good cholesterol uh, and, and uh, there's great protein in it as well. Just, uh, in, in, in our six ounce Wagyu burger, it's about 40 grams of protein. It's, all, it's actually a very healthy what? food. And we have, yeah, 40 grams of protein. Holy and God. there is, we have no salt, no additives. There's no gluten. There was never any gluten supposed to be meat. We ha- I freeze them. Um, and we ship them all over Ireland yeah. in a little box, and DHL do it. And, and they're and held together that's, that's in their a, own fat, isn't that right? You have nothing in, in that burger except meat. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Wow. It doesn't shrink or anything like that. <clears throat> it's a fine big six ounce burger. There's a lot of fellas there now that they, they tear into to two burgers, and you know when they're halfway through the second one, they'd say, "Jeez, I shouldn't have had the second one at all." <laughs> <laughs> and like, do you know? We, we, I'm a fellow who likes to barbecue. The problem with some burgers on a barbecue is they fall apart and they burn. Will will these will oh. these barbecue? Well, you see, there's a high fat, fat content in in the wagyu itself. So, I I tried it here myself. I, I've had done some fantastic videos with the flames going up around them and all that in slow motion. Looks really epic and all that. Yes. But I I I found myself I um I wouldn't have them on a flame I'd have them on, uh, on a flat metal yeah. on top of the barbecue yeah. and the heat and you can turn it on and, and you can just like yeah and is that the word that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, have you, little, you, I have a little pan can... I, I, I like to barbecue and I have a little pan that I use for very tender stuff so it's into the pan you'd put it yeah, into the pan. And what I say to a lot of people is a lot of people on go, their parents used to keep the, the fat off of the Wagyu. It's a, it's a very white fat and it's a very healthy fat as well because I, I'd be saying they're using vegetable oil now. It's, it, that's another processed thing. You don't, look, it's a vegetable oil. I'd say the animal, this, this burger can cook in its own meat or wow. its own fat. Its own juices. And wow. you can keep its own juices yeah and you can you can use those that that fat for rashers and sausages as well oh, it makes a holy moly <sighs> yeah oh, 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 i'm looking forward yeah. to the looking forward to the yeah. summer but you There's, you you yeah. you've come to believe very much i was looking at some of your uh, social media you've come to believe very much haven't you uh, connor in the power of social media Oh, only for the power of social media and me being able to talk uh, there's a lot of fellas ring, ring me up and say oh um, I want to buy some Wagyu cattle off you. I listened to your podcast there and I goes, Gee, I don't think you listen to that podcast properly at all. I said, um, I'm not selling any Wagyu and I've never sold a Wagyu animal to anybody in, in 20 years except for my, my own self to sell it online. Um, that, that's, that's the big thing because I've waited so long. I, I couldn't fall at the last jump. You know, I had to carry it all the way, but it was very. Imp- I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm actually able to talk, and do the camera work, and do the little bit of social media, and have a bit of crack along the way. Yeah. And I, I'm delighted that people are enjoying it, and they actually get to know the farmer where their meat is coming from. And it's a little bit of a chit chat around the the barbecue or the dinner table, and say, "Oh, that's the farmer. That's where your food really comes from." This are there any restaurants really buying it off you? 
Uh, the woodlands uh, above in the Deer County Limerick, they're they're taking the the, the wagyu off. And, you know, I I want to keep it small because I don't have thousands of animals. I want a small amount. I I don't want to 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 get too crazy and say oh. Uh, you, what if you run out of them? I won't run out of them at all because I'm going to keep it. I'm going to sh- sail my ship nice and steady. Okay. All right. You know, I'm I, I, I going to keep it nice and steady. And, and besides losing the run of myself. Well, you have a marvellous business going and I, you'll, you'll have a customer very, very soon, I can tell you now, because that, that's the most gorgeous meat, Wagyu beef. Being I would never have thought being grown on the hoof, finofarm.ie. Uh, fantastic. Thank you, Connor Sheehan. He was on here to the ground, actually, about this. Was it this week or is it next week? Thank you, Connor. 0818 96 96 96. Right. I do need to talk to one man before I go. You've seen him supporting Ty Kiki. You've seen him supporting, I think, I'm almost sure I saw him supporting um, Tommy Tiernan at one, at one point. Very, very funny man by the name of Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, and he is doing his very own solo frontman frontman tour at the moment. Is it your very first solo tour, Cornelius? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, it is. It is my very first uh, national tour with the flagship uh, gig tomorrow night in the Everyman, and I am absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to be doing it, and uh, I have never supported Tommy Tiernan. He have might you support not? me at some stage, though. He might. <laughs> he might. You know, he he might. Gets, Who, you've supported loads of guys, though. I have. I'm, I'm tour support for Chris Kent, um, uh, the GOAT, I call Chris, the greatest of all time. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm his tour support. I'm in Vicar Street, actually, tonight with him and um, uh, all over the country with Chris. But I've supported Laurel Mahoney. I've supported Ty Kiki, Ross Brown. Yeah, um, I saw you with Ross, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe it was Ross, yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is the first main one, PJ, and uh, I suppose it's about time to put on the old big boy pants and get out onto the stage and do it myself. Going from doing the, the 15 or 20 minutes you might do as a support to going to do a full, what, hour, hour and a half, that's a big jump. That's a big jump. It's a big jump. But I, I suppose I'm doing comedy. I'm doing comedy nearly 14 years now at this stage of the races, and I have, uh, like, I've, I've done, I've done our shows, and I've, uh, I've done uh, Edinburgh shows, split half hour shows, and stuff like that. But I've never taken my own name and put it front and center, and and uh, wrote a show that's specific. Uh, about myself, I suppose, and, mm. and put it out there. This is the very first time, and I'm 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 delighted, I'm, and it's going well. I, it debuted in Dolan's there a couple of weeks ago, and we had a full house, and it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving the whole journey, the whole not to guess too, um, you know, American on it, but I'm loving the journey. The journey I, is amazing. I remember asking Ross actually um, about the Opera House. Do you know what it was like to walk out there onto that stage and look down and go? Jesus, it's full, and they get to see me. <laughs> How does it feel to walk onto a stage like you said, Dolan's or the Everyman? I know the Everyman is close to selling out. There's only a fistful of tickets left. How does it feel to walk out on a stage, Cornelius, and go, Jesus, they're here to see me? It's crazy, man. It's actually crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's surreal, um, and uh, I don't take it for granted. And like, I mean, any like, especially in these times, anyone who's who's going to make it their night out. You know, like I think there's a there's a big responsibility that like you know just to to make sure that you perform correctly and you give it your all and that you have a bit of crack and try and take people away from, you know, the hardships of life and the mundanity yeah. of it and and you know what's going on around the world at the moment. It's tough. So and you know, sometimes to take the Mickey of, out the mundane things in life. 
you know. Well, you, always taking. You do a lovely yeah. piece about your autistic boy, actually, <laughs> and his American well, accent. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ha- ha- Harvey John, he's uh, seven. He's he's got autism, but uh, I I I am like we're, we live in Kilavolan here in North Cork. But I say that um, like we're from Kilavolan, but Harvey's from California. You know, <laughs> uh, like every, everything with him is like, oh my god, are you for real, Dad? Come on, jeez. <laughs> yeah, and it's I'm lovely. Like, it's stories. Get into the car and take you to school. It's, it's stories like that, that 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 make a good comedy night. Listen, I wish you well with it. Uh, with not just the so rest much, of the Richard. tour but with tomorrow night in the Everman Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan one of Cork's finest and uh, coming to the Everman tomorrow night Saturday 27th January there's some tickets left uh, he, wouldn't it be great he sold out Dolan's in Limerick I mean Limerick Limerick yeah shiny fool can sell Limerick right Cork let's sell him out at the Everman tomorrow night <laughs> that sounds like something Reggie would say yeah. alright listen uh, thank you Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan board in the hand of the show it's at the Everman tomorrow night best of luck with it his first ever Show fronting his own gig. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. The Furniture Centre.ie. Cox 96 FM.